This is such an important series because we really live life so rapidly, so quickly we move through life and we don't slow down for the incredibly important moments that God has for us. In fact, we miss so many moments that matter that really we look back on life and we say, does my life matter? Does it really have any significance to it? But we have to slow down and see moments that matter. I want to talk to you about that today. Out of Luke chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 10. It's an incredible story of Jesus' encounter with Martha and Mary. You may remember the story. It's a simple story. It's one that describes two responses to the presence of Jesus in their home. And so as we talk about this, I want you to find with me these moments that matter in this particular story, and I want you to take them home with you today. I want you to stand, if you will, and as we stand to read God's Word, we're going to begin in verse 38 of Luke chapter 10. Very brief story, it's five or six verses long. Jesus has now come to the village where Mary and Martha, two sisters, live. We pick up the story in verse 38. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary. He was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Only one thing, Jesus says, is necessary. Mary has chosen the good part. Today, when you leave today, I want you to be able to know how to choose the good part of life. Choose the good part out of all the things you could be choosing and Jesus helps us know what that is today. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to us. Open up our hearts and minds to all that goes on in our life, but to find the good part that you have for us is the quest today. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Please be seated if you would. Have you ever gotten so distracted at something that was happening in life that you really missed the point of something you were really supposed to be doing? I remember... Uh, when my oldest three children were younger, I think they were about seven years old and maybe five years old and two years old, I was asked to, I uh, was allowed to go to a friend's house to swim with my kids. And so it was the summer, it was the first uh, day of the summer that we could actually swim. And my friend said, we won't be home, but you can go and you have to remove the pool cover and then you can have all day long in the swimming pool. So my wife was not going to go, but as wives are prone to do, she looked at me and she said, now don't take your eyes off the children. And of course, as a husband, I thought, you know, what are you talking about? Of course, I'm not going to take my eyes off the children. It's very important for me to keep my eyes on those kids. And so we go to the swimming pool, and, and unrolling the pool cover began to be a little bit more of a job than I thought. And I was distracted by unrolling that swimming pool cover. And I turned around just as our youngest girl, Catherine, fell into the swimming pool on the deep end. And I was probably 20, uh, uh, 40 feet away, something like that, on the other side of the pool. I watched her fall in. She hadn't learned to swim yet. She's two years old. We didn't really break her in like that quickly and, and all. And, um, and I remember vividly thinking, my goodness, I've been distracted by this swimming pool cover, and I did not keep my eyes on my children. Now, I knew I would get there in time. I knew I would rescue her. I was really worried about having to tell my wife what had happened. Well, my oldest daughter reached over and grabbed her hand, but I, I'll never forget 
my youngest daughter at the time, being in that pool, looking up, her eyes wide open like, what has just happened to me? You know, sometimes we have those moments in our life and we're able to rescue those and redeem those somehow. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're so distracted about things that seem so important at the moment that we miss the main thing. And that happened to me on that day. And it happened that day in Mary and Martha's house. One of them missed the main thing. The other one didn't. And what I want us to do today is to make sure when we leave this place, we don't miss the main thing. Have you ever heard the phrase, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing? And that's something I want to remind you about today. And Jesus reminds us about the important things, the good things in life, and not to be distracted by those. You know, we live in a world of chatter. Our chatter is all around us. I phrase it this way. The nonstop noise around us distracts us, entertains us. It occupies us, but it also hinders us from the more significant. Now, this is one of those stories you can look at in just a short frame of time, just a brief conversation, we can find that even one moment of time reveals our identity and what we value. Sometimes it reveals what we miss. So let's look at this story together. Two ladies, sisters, by the way, sisters of Lazarus, who's later raised from the dead after he died. An amazing journey that Jesus has with these two ladies that we'll look at in just a few moments. And this encounter where Jesus actually is in town, he's in their village, um, he's become quite famous. Everyone knows about Jesus of Nazareth, and now he's come to their village, and he's coming to their house. Now, I don't know what you think about that, but if I was living in that day and time, and Jesus was coming to my house, I would want to know what Jesus would have to say. I would want to know everything's in order, of course, but I would want to meet Jesus, I want to be able to have a conversation with him and hear what he says to me. And so these two ladies are in that exact position. And what they say, what they do reveals very much about them and probably will reveal a lot about us today as well. So let's look at this together. Three things, three moments in this big moment that I want us to notice. First of all, I want you to notice a moment of identity. What, what each of these two ladies does identifies them in a certain way. Their identity is wrapped up into their response of Jesus and to Jesus. And here's what it says in verse 39. The Bible says, when Jesus came into the house, that Mary was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word, but Martha was distracted with all her preparation. Now, I want you to know at the beginning of this, we're going to contrast Martha and Mary. But in this contrast today, I don't want you to see Martha as bad and Mary as good. I want you to see them as two individuals. One made the right choice that day, one made the wrong choice that day. But it's important that you know Jesus loves Mary, but it's important for you to know that Jesus loved Martha. Aren't you glad Jesus loves all of us together? Isn't that great? Um, Jeff Reese is one of our pastors in this church, and when he came in via the call, he introduced his wife, and her name is Martha. And uh, he said, Martha's favorite verse in the Bible is the verse that says, Jesus loves Martha. <laughs> I thought, what a great life verse that is. It's a great life verse. And it's a good thing remember, to remember right here because we're going to look at Martha and her making a wrong choice in just a few moments, but it's important to remember the Bible makes it very plain. Jesus loved Martha. And Jesus loved Mary. But each of them had a natural given way of responding to this moment where Jesus comes into the house, and they're very, very different. Martha was doing. 
Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha was active. She was thinking about all the different things that she had to get in order for Jesus and the party that had come to their house to be fed and to be entertained and, and everything to be in the place. She was an action kind of person. Mary, on the other hand, was about being at the feet of Jesus. She was about listening to everything that Jesus was saying. And I think most of us fall into one of those two categories. Some of us wake up in the morning, the very first thing we think of is, what's the top 10 things I can knock off my to-do list before 9 a.m.? And some of us wake up and think, I need to spend a little time with the Lord before I go to attack that to-do list. Now, I have to confess to you today, I probably have more of a Martha personality. I'm thinking of things. In fact, the reason I wake up is because of things I need to do that day. I mean, that's what my mind's thinking about. I'm not in a dream. I'm coming out of slumber, out of sleep, and I'm thinking, got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. And I'm out of bed, and I'm starting on that. If I don't pull back, and if I don't say, I better listen to him before I go and do all these other things. How many of us are action first? Would you raise your hand if you're an action first kind of person, okay? If you're a sit at the feet of Jesus kind of person first, you're, you're really more into reflecting and thinking first, would you raise your hand? So we kind of mix that up. A lot of us are action-oriented. Some of us are being-oriented. What we do is important to some of us. Who we are is important to the other, and that's what we have with Martha and Mary. When you follow Martha and Mary through the Gospels, you're going to find that this happens every time. That's why I know that that's not just a one-time conversation where this unfolds. For example, go to John chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. In John chapter 11, the Bible says that their brother was sick. That's Lazarus. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary that anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. That's some background of what we're about to read. If you jump over to chapter 12, now Jesus has come to Lazarus' house. He's healed him after he's died. Now he's alive. So it says in chapter 12, so they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving. Here it is again. She's active. She's serving. But Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Mary is doing. Martha is listening. Uh, I mean, Martha's doing. Mary is listening. I've got that mixed up. Martha's serving. Mary is anointing Jesus' feet with oil. Martha's identity is kind of tied into, here's what I can do for the master. And Mary's identity is more in tune with, here's what he can do for me. Now, every one of us that's an action person needs to get this right. What we need to get right is, there's nothing we can really do for Jesus. There's nothing we can do to enhance his life. There's nothing we can do to enhance his salvation. There's nothing we can do to make him love us any more than he already does. We can serve him, and we should. We can worship him, and we should. But nothing about our status with him is increased by our activity. But on the other hand, we all need what Jesus can do for us. That's why salvation is not a matter of your good works or your religion or you're getting things right or you're cleaning up your path. When you come today and think about having a relationship with God or having a relationship with Jesus, you need to know you don't have to get it all ready yet. You don't have to get it all ready first. You don't ever have to get it all ready. Once you come to him, he gives you everything you need for your life to change. You need what he can give to you. 
But sometimes we kind of get wrapped up into this, what can I do for Jesus instead of what Jesus can do for me? And that's Mary, and that's Martha. So there's a moment of identity there where we learn something about them. I'm not sure about Martha's heart, but I do know this. I do know at some point Mary was touched by the grace of Jesus. And that's why she, she has this intimate devotion to Christ. That's why she's sitting at his feet listening. That's why she's anointing his feet with his costly perfume. Mary's, or rather Martha's identity may be tied to what she can do for Jesus, but it's very clear that Mary's identity is in what Jesus can do for her. She's listening. Now, this text is really not about serving versus listening. It's really not. We're not contrasting those two. Everyone needs to serve. Everyone needs to listen. It's about the moment. It's about what we put first. It's about what we prioritize above something else. So if you're one of those great servants of the Lord, this does not say stop serving. And if you're one of those great listeners, this does not say get up off your seat and go serve. All of us ought to serve. All of us ought to be able to listen. This is about the moment. And at this moment, we're seeing the identity of Martha and Jesus in a Mary. A moment of identity. But the more you read this text, you move into something else that's happening here. This is where I really want you to get personal with yourself about this. This is also a moment of awareness. Jesus says to this situation, to these two women, only one thing is necessary. You see, moments like these are key. Where Jesus speaks into someone's life, moments of these are incredibly important to this, this group of people in this little village. Martha and Mary have Jesus in the flesh in their house. That's a big deal. I mean, we can't minimize that. You know, over the era of biblical history, Old Testament, the Gospels, and New Testament, we have several different phases of how God can be with us. If you look at the Old Testament, you'll find at various times God manifested himself Sometimes by the Spirit of God coming down upon a prophet by which they would speak the words of God. Sometimes he would demonstrate a physical manifestation like the cloud of glory, the Shekinah glory over the tent of meeting. Sometimes God revealed himself through fire and in various other ways. But it was periodic, not daily. In the gospel era, God was with us through his son Jesus. That's why John 1, 1 is so important. The Bible says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Man, what a powerful concept. And so Jesus was physically God in the flesh, walking on earth for 33 years and three years of public ministry in which this story takes place. So what an honor to have God in the flesh in your house. What a moment to be aware of. And Martha's serving and Mary's listening. You know, today, those of us that live in this modern era the end of the age, have it even better. It's not just that God's Spirit comes down on prophets from time to time or physically manifests himself in the miraculous from time to time. And it's not just that God came in the flesh in Jesus to walk on earth for 33 years, but it's that God is now in every heart of every person that's given their life to Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Spirit of God lives inside of us. You think those Old Testament people had a few opportunities to be with God, and it's true. 
You think Martha and Mary had some opportunities to be with God in the flesh, and it's true. But you have opportunities to be with God every day in every way. That's the amazing thing, that God has made himself so personal, so intimate to every single one of us. That's why this moment that matters kind of message matters to you today. Because you have opportunity that you need to be aware of. Now, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that Martha wasn't aware of the opportunity that she had because Jesus was in the room and she was busy with everything else. But Mary was aware. Martha's distracted. Mary is not. Let me make a statement to you that you can carry with you for the rest of your life. The most important moments in life are relational moments. I want you to say that with me. Let's say it out loud. The most important moments in life are relational moments. More important than food and provision, more important than having the house in order, more important than things that you may ever possess or own, more important than any achievement that you can ever have, relationships are most important. And Mary recognizes that. And Martha, at this moment, has yet to recognize that. And part of the reason is because she's so distracted, the chatter going on all around her, maybe even the chatter in her mind that says, you got to have this place all together. It's Jesus. you got to get things in order. Kept her from the relational moment. And we're like that as well. You know, Jesus made it very, very plain what's important when a lawyer came up and asked him the greatest of the commandment. And we hear this a lot. But Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 says, Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to him, Jesus did, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Jesus said, I'm going to boil everything in the Bible down to just a couple of verses, a couple of commands, and they're both relational. I want you to relate well to God the Father. I want you to relate well to your neighbor, to those around you as well. I want you to have a vertical relationship, and I want you to have a horizontal relationship as well. The most important moments in life are relational moments. And of course, when Jesus said this, he gave us the very first relational priority, and that is time with God. And Jesus is God. And the second is time with others. Ed Coe one of our pastors observed that Mary's awareness is like David in the Old Testament, who's a man after God's own heart. And David expressed this in Psalms chapter 27, verse 4, and even in verse 5. I'm going to read that verse to you because it's an important verse. Here's what David said. He said, one thing I've asked from the Lord. You know, Jesus said only a few things are important, really only one. One thing matters. David said this in his prayer. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David said, the presence of God is more important to me than anything else in life. Now, David was a king. He had a huge army at his command. He had all kinds of wealth and riches. Certainly, he had a lot of chatter in his life. All kinds of things was ha were happening around him. But David said, the top priority for me is to be in the presence of God. There's nothing better than being in the presence of the Lord. He said, one thing I've asked, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Then he says, to behold the beauty of the Lord. In other words, to know him. I want to be in his presence, but I also want to know him. I want to know God. I want to know his character. I want to know what he wants out of my life. 
And then he said, and to meditate in his temple, that is to understand him. I want to know his presence. I want to know his person. I want to be able to understand all that he says. And David goes on and talks about the benefits of that. He says, for in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in this tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up and place me on a rock. He will secure me. On and on and on, the benefits of spending time with God. Let me make a personal statement to you. Nothing could be more valuable in life than knowing God. And no time spent in anything can be more valuable than time spent coming to know him in a personal way. With all the chatter you have going on in your life and all the things you feel like that you have to, to do in life, let me, let me say to you today unequivocally that spending time with God will be the most valuable thing that you'll cherish later on in life as you look back. Going forward in life, sometimes we don't see the value of it. That's Martha. Looking back, we want to have a mirror mindset. The mindset that says, I want to know him. I want to hear from him. I want him to direct me. Let me just tell you that when I look back on my life, the most important times in my life are not times of activity. They're not times of performing. They're not times of preaching. They're not times of leading a church. They're not times of, of possessing things or owning things. There are times spent with God. You can't beat those times. So first of all, time with him. But don't miss this. Jesus is also, with a short earthly ministry, just three years, Jesus was also aware of how important it was for Martha and Mary to get to spend time with him. So Jesus slows down on his very brief earthly ministry, and he comes to this village, to this house, and he's aware of how important this moment is for Mary. He has made the time for her and Martha. And it's an amazing moment. It assures me that if I want to spend time with Jesus, he'll make himself available to me. It also tells me that if I'm going to follow Jesus, I've got to make time for him and for others. And for others. It's a relational moment with God first. And a relational moment with others as well. My wife makes this statement. She makes this statement uh, looking back on our years of parenting kids in the household. She says, remember, the days are long, but the years are short. She says to parents, the days are long. Sometimes your kids will wear you out, but the years are short. If you don't value those long days, one day you'll look back and all those days have added into years and then decades and time very quickly passes. The same is true of those that we want to influence. The days are long, but the time is short. The years are short. And we'll look back and that neighbor that we built a relationship but never quite invited to come with us to worship or never shared the gospel with, those years will be gone. And those opportunities will close at some point down the road. The most important moments in life are relational moments, moments where you can not only come to know God, but help others come to know the Lord as well. And that's what we call matter, moments that matter in a world of chatter. Clear all that out so that you can get to the place of those important moments. I've been saying this a lot lately because it's important that we know if we want to follow Jesus, then we've got to go and make time. We've got to go and make conversations 
We need to go and make friends in order to go and make disciples. You can't make disciples until you make time. You can't make disciples until you make conversation. You can't make disciples until you make friends. Go and make time. Go and make conversation. Go and make disciples. Look at the example of Jesus as he spent time with Martha and Mary, with the rich young ruler, with Nicodemus, with Zacchaeus, with the woman at the well. I could go on and on and on and talk about the huge content of the Gospels where Jesus is having conversations with people. That's why we call them kingdom conversations. I was really amazed in some of the stories that are starting to come in from people having these kinds of conversations with people outside the walls, either inviting them to come worship with us or uh, inviting them to hear about Jesus. And people are having those conversations. One of our men wrote me an email recently, said he was on a long trip. He met a priest, a Catholic priest. They got to talking about one thing and another thing. He said, before I knew it, I was telling this Catholic priest how he could come to have faith in Jesus Christ alone for his salvation. So that's the idea. No matter who God brings into your life, no matter what's going on in their life, tell them about what Christ has done for you. Those are incredibly, incredibly important moments where we must learn to be aware. Martha was not aware of the importance of Jesus at that moment, and Mary was. Jesus was aware of how important those moments were for both of these two ladies. But finally, this text brings us to a conclusion, and that conclusion is that it's also a moment of choice. This is where it gets convicting. Jesus says, For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. It's very clear what's going on in the text. Martha's concerned about the impression of the house and the home. She's worried about preparations and food. She's distracted and disturbed. That's what all those words in that verse means. Too much is happening for her. We're often like Martha. So much sideways energy. So much is happening. We're worried about so many things. But Mary, Jesus says, Mary chose out of all of it the good part. Mary chose. You know, when you choose to do something as a priority, you say no to a lot of other things. That's some of the hardest stuff for us to do is to say no, right? You know, uh, last week we had this great picnic across the street, and all these groups came together on Sunday evening, and it was really awesome. And the food was also awesome. One of our staff members was walking from group to group, and all he had was a fork. That's all he had. He was going from group to group with a fork. I said, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm fellowshipping. I said, you're not fellowshipping. You're eating. <laughs> you're eating all this food. That's the way we are when we come to a great place with lots of choices. We try to get it all. But, but I don't need to tell you, you can't eat it all, right? You have to say no to something and say yes to what's the good part, right? When I go to a buffet line, I get the meat first because that's the good part. Everything else I just kind of put around the side. But I've got to choose the good part first, right? Well, let's put this into spiritual terms. You can do a few other things, but the most important thing that you must do is choose the good part of time with Jesus. And if you don't choose that, no matter what else you have chosen in your life, it's not going to be worthwhile in the end without choosing the good part. Mary has chosen the good part. That word makes it very plain that Mary recognized what was going on and made the choice. Now, what's the good part? What's the good part? Well, it's, it's one we need to know before, before I tell you what the good part is. Please keep in mind that some of us are worried like Martha and bothered like Martha by so many things. 
But we are all able to choose the good part. You can choose. Now, the good part Jesus is talking about here is this. He defines it by the words afterwards. He says, Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away. Now, what could possibly have been taking place that, there that day that could never be taken away? Well, it's not food. It's not having a tidy house. It's not impressing anybody. What can never be taken away is that which is eternal, that which is spiritual, that which is relational. In other words, these words of mine that I'm giving Mary, nobody in all time and all of history and all of eternity could ever take them away from her. She's chosen the good part. Wow. You know, life has so many parts to it. We have jobs and we have home, we have family, we have sports and hobbies and pastime, and the stress of too much in life plagues us all. But I want you to know the reason that we're so stressed by so many things is because of our own choice. We've chosen to do all these things, to cram all of life into all these different spaces in just a limited amount of time. If it means that you're neglecting the good part, choose the good part instead of everything else. Make a choice. It liberates you to be able to walk closely with Jesus. You know, this is an important note in this text. While not condemning Martha, he commends Mary. Isn't that great? Instead of saying, look at the bad example of Martha. Look what a bummer of a choice she made. Man, she's out of it. He didn't say any of that. He just said, you're worried about so much, Martha. Mary has chosen the good part which cannot be taken away. Years ago, I had a man mentor me when I was in college uh, as a freshman, second year freshman, and um, he began to mentor me. And one of the first things he taught me was how to have a quiet time. How many of you have heard of a quiet time? Would you raise your hand if you've heard of that? Many of us have, and that's good. But I didn't really have a concept of that. I was kind of the kind of guy that just got up and went, went after life as fast as I could go, and I didn't realize that before you go after life, you need to slow down and find out what part of life do you go after. And he taught me how to have quiet time. And he said these basic things. He said, what you need to do is just get up in the morning and clear space for God. You need to find a place where nobody's there except you and your Bible and a pen and a paper. And he said, write down J-O-Y. He gave me an, an alliterated or an acronym for prayer, Jesus, others, and you. So pray uh, a, a few moments about thanking Jesus for all he's done for you. Then pray for others in your life, SEO. And then pray for yourself and what you need from him and what direction you need to get from him. Uh, so Jesus, others, you, and it's really complicated, but it was about what I needed as an 18-year-old freshman in college. J-O-Y, joy, Jesus, others, you. And then read a chapter in your Bible and write down everything he shows you. And I began to do that. 15 minutes a day, turned into 30 minutes a day. Turned into 45 minutes a day, turned into about an hour a day, not because I had to, but because I desperately wanted to. And the reason I desperately wanted to is because I found that listening at the feet of Jesus has incredible value. Amen. My decision-making began to change. My perspective of God began to change. My focus on worshiping him began to change. My willingness to share with others, everything began to change because of that time with God. And I didn't realize what I'd done. But someone had helped me choose the good part. And in choosing the good part, it made me a different man. I would say to you today that this lesson is very much like that. 
Ron Dunn made a statement years ago as he talked about this verse that I'll never forget. Listen to what it says. If Martha does not feed Jesus, Jesus will survive. But if Jesus does not feed Martha, will Martha survive? If Martha does not feed Jesus, Jesus will survive. But if Jesus does not feed Martha, will Martha survive? You know what Jesus said that he wants us to carry with us today? It's in that line. Only one thing is necessary. Jesus Christ, Son of God, said that. Only one thing is necessary. Choose to sit and listen to Jesus. Choose to know him. Choose your times with others, knowing that that which is relational is more important than anything else in life. And if you have not yet chosen to be a disciple of Jesus, choose to do that today. He chose to send his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay for our sins so that you might have the opportunity to put your faith and trust in him. Get your sins forgiven by what Jesus has done and be given the gift of eternal life. You can't earn it. You can't do anything for him. But if you'll let him, if you'll recognize the moment, he'll do everything for you. Everything. I want you to bow for just a moment. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and we'll have our counselors come to the front. And I'm asking you today, have you chosen Jesus? The good part of life is that Jesus offers you eternal life. Have you chosen him? As our counselors come forward, in just a few moments, I'll have you stand, and I want to give you the opportunity to respond to what Jesus has offered you. It may be today that you're a believer and you've followed the Lord for several years, but your life is too busy. You know it's too busy when you don't have time for Jesus, when you don't have time for him. And you've got to make a choice. Maybe you need someone to pray with you about that choice. Praying that you would be strong and wise enough to make that choice. So over the next few moments, we're going to pray. And I'll ask you to respond. We won't be singing. We'll simply be asking you to respond in some way. You may respond where you are. You may respond by walking forward and talking to someone today about that. Father, in Jesus' name, I would ask you that you speak to us about choosing the good part that Mary chose. And Lord, let the testimony of this encounter stay with us, not just today, but tomorrow, the next day, and the day after. And Lord, help us be reminded that you're always available for us to choose the good part. And that when in fact we don't, we choose not to be with you. And yet here you are, available, arms spread open wide, inviting. The Lord today speak to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? And as you stand, head still bowed, eyes still closed, music playing in the background. I'm going to be quiet for just a few moments. And I want you to consider what choice you need to make today. Walk this out or make a decision where you are. But choose. Father, thank you for this day and just this chance to look at this encounter. Lord, I want for every person in this room what I believe you want. For them to know you. For them to know how to love you and to know how you love them. Father, help us to choose the good part. 
Thank you so much for making it available to us. We ask this in Jesus' name.